Hey, it's Harold, and this is PodFest, episode number 22. Three back-to-back conversations with real people that we know from entertainment, politics, science, the medical world, cooking in the kitchen. They're being played back-to-back because the lyrics that we share in this everyday world makes this a great place to always have your story. PodFest 22 features my 2016 conversation with actor Alex Manessas from NBC's Telenova. Then we'll jump into a moment with comedian Ali Colbert, who was part of True TV's Top Secret Video. And we'll wrap things up with the legendary and always upbeat Pam Greer. This is PodFest. Hi, is this Errol? Yes. Hi, good morning. I'm great, thank you. Man, telenovela has got to be the total package on television right now in the way that that I think it's the new Everybody Loves Raymond and Seinfeld combined. It is just... Oh my gosh, Errol. I love you already. Last night watching it, you, you become so addicted to every scene and everything. This is such a radio term. Everything is in forward motion. Is that, a, is that a radio term? Yeah, because they always want us to be on the air to go, you know, make sure where are your thoughts going, make sure it's in forward motion because listeners don't like stepping in their past. And that's what I love about your show is that it's always moving. Are we on now? Yeah. Oh, okay. It, <laughs> it, it, it is. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, it is it's so much fun. We really like to push the envelope. Um, uh, it's, it's a workplace comedy. And it's a, it's a bit broad, you know, but um, uh, especially my character, Isabella um, Santa Maria, uh, my character's big and with, with big hair, but she's grounded really in, in reality uh, for me, for me as an actress. And um, I just have so much fun doing her. She's, she's amazing. The whole experience is amazing. When, no, when Isabella when Isabella comes into the scene, it's so funny how she, it, it's almost like the bass guitar in a song. I mean, you, she comes in and she belongs in that scene, and it's so fascinating on where you then take the storyline. Um, I, I come in with drive-bys, which means I come in and I'll say like you know um, I'll hiss or you know just I'll just pass Eva's character uh, on a Sophia and be like. <laughs> <laughs> that, that says it all. That says it all. And in some cases, um, but she she she's she's a great lady. I mean, she represents a lot about what's going on in Hollywood with with ageism and things. You know, uh, Hollywood's not not nice, not uh, easy on old broads. <laughs> and um, uh, Isabella feels that uh, full force. Um, I don't actually because I get to play a part like. Isabella Santa Maria, which is just a joy. It's uh, it's a blessing. It's really it, wonderful. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you. That it seems like your characters are always the opposite of who you probably are as a person. And and th- is it fun to step into that role and say, "All right, I'm out now"? Because but it was fun being there. Oh, absolutely! It really is. Um, and Eva has cast people that she knows can do the job, um, but have the chops. You know, have the chops to do the job, but are but people that are nice. When we all get along together, we all love each other. But yes, I play Isabella, who is um, a complex person, a sexy, diva, strong woman, uh, doesn't hold anything back, and makes no, no makes no apologies. Unlike my, myself, I'm always saying I'm sorry to everyone. <laughs> Do you ever do you, do you envision yourself when you when you become that character? Are are you picturing somebody inside your mind? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Isabella is um, um, a mixture of about three or four people 
principally that I know, but also just the, just just a lot of uh, um, abstract things like emotions, just a lot of like uh, frustration, um, seduction. Uh, there's just there's a lot going on with her. But yeah, definitely there are there are definitely a few people that pop into my mind, and then I that I um, sort of model her after. You remind me so much of Sophia Loren. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There, when when you come on the screen, it's like, man, it's like living Sophia Loren. Wow, wow. Thank you. I'll take it. My God, she's an icon. She's amazing. One of my idols. Abs- absolutely. I do age myself on the show. When I walked into the the um, the reading with Eva. She looked at me and she said, oh my God, Alex, you're too young to play this part. You can't play this part. Eva and I know each other socially. And I said, you know, Eva, you look like you're 16 <laughs> with no makeup. You look like a baby. Are you kidding me? I'm not too old to play. I don't look too young. You look too young. So um, she, we was clear that if I got the job, I'd have to age myself. I put, I draw in wrinkles uh, around my eyes and around my mouth. Um, but it really helps with the character. It really makes me feel her even more. You know, um, the fact that she has so many wrinkles. I mean, oh, gosh. Can I tell you something? I know what that's like. But I'm always, I'm always fighting it. Um, but it helps with the character. Also, my hair helps with the character. Yep. That is a wig. That big stuff on my head is a wig. Um, we tried to do that hair uh, with my real hair, and it just didn't. It was, it was too much. Too much hairspray. Not good for the environment. You know, I think I, <laughs> Do you, ever, do you ever look at yourself in the mirror and just think, wow, I'm in the perfect place at the perfect time right now? I absolutely do think that way. I'm, I'm very blessed at this moment um, that this project came along for me, um, for all of us. It's funny. We're all kind of in that place right now. It's, it's about, you know, a lot of things in life are about timing, and we're all very simpatico, you know, all of us. It is, um, it's a special thing in a lot of ways. Uh, we, we all are about the work, that's number one, uh, which I love and which I respect. Um, so that's very fulfilling, but we also like each other. We love each other. We hang out. We were all, all together at Eva's house yesterday, cooking and hanging out and tweeting. It was, it, it was, a, it was a fun time. I missed her. I hadn't seen Eva for like three weeks because um, she travels a lot. But that girl needs to rest, by the way. See, she needs to take a little rest. That's what I love about you is that you're always tweeting or you're always on Instagram. You're, you're always doing what, what this industry is about now. They've given us this digital platform to use as a tool, and you definitely do that. I do. Well, we have to. You know, um, you, I mean, you, you have to. It's, it's what the world is today, and it's, it's fun. I find Instagram to be very a lot of fun, and, and I, it's more photos than, than, than Twitter is, but I'm... Um, there is a real opportunity for people to, to post beautiful pictures of landscapes, of architecture. I love all of those, of gorgeous vacation spots, beautiful people. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, more, it's enriching lives, I think, in a way. People are like, oh, my God, social media is just, it's awful, and it's, it's all about taking pictures of your butt. And stuff. <laughs> it's, I think it's more than that. I really do. <laughs> I mean, living in Chicago, I mean, you've got all those buildings and everything like that that you can be snapping shots of all the time. Right, right. Especially in the summer when you can see them, when they're not covered by snow. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Um, <laughs> I usually spend the summers in Chicago, and I love it. Um, and otherwise, I live in Los Angeles. But... 
Chicago's my hometown, and I had a real hard time the other night when I went to a Lakers game, and it was the Lakers and Chicago Bulls. Oh my gosh, who do, who do you who do you? I was cheering for each side. Anytime anyone made a basket, I was like, yeah, you know. Oh. People were looking at me like, what is wrong with this lady? Are you a Cubbies um, fan or a White Sox? I'm a Cubbies fan. Yeah. This this is the year that they're gonna go. They're they're gonna go to the World Series this year. This is it. Well, it was last year too. It was the year before too, and it was the year before that too. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does it feel to be featured on the cover of Prism Magazine? It's an honor. Um, I am. I'm so thrilled by that. Uh, it was such a fun shoot. Uh, it was all about jewelry and um, uh, the Gem Association's. Uh, competition for the best jewelry and the best designs and jewelry and it's worldwide and it it was really an honor that they put me on the cover and I was in Times Square yesterday I had a billboard up there and this is I'm having the time of my life I really am what can I say (laughs) now when when you were on that photo shoot do you did you become the character did you become the actress I mean or did you get to be you on on that set it's more of a uh, being me, um, Isabella is is much too snarky to to bring into a photo shoot like this. It was this photo shoot was about beauty. Isabella is about um, you know um, holding on to her beauty. It was and I mean in the shoot I just let it out. I let it all hang out. I'm like here I am. Let's take a picture. It was fun. It was beautiful. I had great hair and great makeup and gorgeous costume or gorgeous dresses that they gave me so it was i was feeling really glamorous arrow i have to tell you i was, I was feeling pretty fab <laughs> well you, you are such a master at facial expressions and i i can't i can only imagine what it was like for you to be on the same set with greg kinnear because the two of you together can sell a movie without ever saying anything greg was uh, so wonderful to work with on autofocus he is such a gentleman oh my gosh he is such a sweetie pie and such a great actor um he was a joy he was a joy to work with and he was cracking me up (laughs) behind the scenes constantly i mean to the point where i'm like greg can you just stop so i can get into the scene can you please just stop he's hilarious love that guy so what do they say about you they've got to be saying the same exact thing I don't know. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. My facial expressions, yeah, my rubber face. I need to get some more Botox because it's obviously not working. My face is still moving around. <laughs> now, a lot of people on iHeartRadio don't realize that you are really committed to the community. And I really do want to thank you for what you're doing with the Children's Hospital as being one of the things that you invest a lot of time in. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I have to thank Children's Hospital. I've been on the Board of Trustees for 11 years. Uh, and before that, I was a, a volunteer. Um, and I started there because I had done a, a, a guest star on a TV show. And I remember being there all day and never hearing a child cry. And I thought, how can I be in a hospital for 12 hours and not hear a kid cry? Something is wrong or something is either or very right. And I found out that it's very right. The way they handle um, children um, medically, uh, we're associated with USC, with the Keck School of Medicine. And um, it's from, from the lab to the bedside. Uh, we're doing, making breakthroughs in, in every respect. And I'm so, so, so very proud of that. And also my, my work with, um, uh, in Chicago with my old high school mother, Macaulay, 
I have the Alex Manessis Fund, and uh, it's a single-gender Catholic girls' high school, which for me, from where I came from, from my neighborhood, to have the opportunity to go to a school like that, I have to say it saved my life. And um, I'm still committed to that school. And by the way, that is the largest all-girls school in the United States right now. To be so committed, is is that your mom and dad talking through you? Or is it that because you got deeper and deeper into acting, you realize that the viewers are real people? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, well, it's both. My folks who live with me now, poor, poor mom and dad, oh, um, they're getting older. But um, it, it is it is that. My family taught me, my parents taught me that it's, it's all about family. Everything starts with your family and what is important to you. To me, what's important are uh, children. Nothing's worse than a sick kid. I mean, nothing. I have a four-year-old daughter and uh, she's the angel of my life and I cannot imagine her having a very serious illness and I want to do anything in my power to, you know, fight that. Um, And also education. So um, I can't do everything especially now with my daughter. She's the focus of my life and my work, but I try to do what I can. Right, Errol? I could so see you on a TED lecture up there in front of everybody inspiring them that, you know what, look beyond your career. There's lives out there. That's, that's that's exactly right. I'm sorry. Say there are there are what lives out there? Yeah, there are lives out there. Yeah, there. In other words, it's like it's like even when I produce radio commercials, it's it's not about the business. It's about that listener who's going to purchase the project, the product, and then better their lives from it. Everything that we do on both sides of the screen and radio, we're we're affecting people's lives. It it is true. You know, um, I mean, telenovela is such a such a good time, and uh, hopefully we're. We're making some people laugh, and we're um, also breaking some barriers about um, diversity and um, and not not just diversity, but also assimilation. I mean, everyone on the show is Latin, I'm, or at least half Latin. I'm half Mexican and half Ukrainian. I'm a first-generation American. Um, uh, but we have a lot of women writers. We have writers of every color. Uh, but the point is, the point of the show is it's that, it, that it's a funny show. It's not like a Mexican show with sombrero jokes. It's just a show with that's funny. And uh, we, the cast can be all Irish or all German. or It wouldn't matter. We wouldn't skip a beat. And so there's that, there's that in, in our lives that, um, that's important to me. I mean, I, I, I love doing the work. I love acting. And I love the fact that we are, we are so diversified in our show. And we are showing the fact that, yes, we're Latin. The cast is Latin. But you know what? We're American. I'm mm-hmm. American. You know, I don't. I consider myself 100% Mexican, 100% Ukrainian, and 150% American. It reminds me uh, so much of of the way that Phil Jackson took the Chicago Bulls and even the Lakers to the championship. You have a deep bench. You, you your bench of talent is so deep that of course there's going to be success. Well, you 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 you, you can only hope. You know, <laughs> <laughs> God's blessing and luck. You can only hope. But as long as there's, I bring integrity to uh, a part that I'm doing. That's success for me. If I go into an audition or into um, an interview and I feel good about what I had done um, and I feel like I fulfilled what I wanted to do with, uh, with, the, with the part, um, that's success for me. So how do you guys... 
How, how do you guys develop your scenes? You, you, you can't give it all to the writer. There's got to be some improv. Um, we do we do, do improv yes. behind the scenes, but the writers like us to stick to their to their writing. We will do the scene all the way through with with just their words. We respect their words. They're genius writers. Um, it's very funny. It's very easy to be funny. All you have to do is say what they what they write. But also, after we'll do uh, one or two of those takes, they'll let us fool around, or else they will throw words at us or sentences and phrases. They'll say, you know what, I wanted to change this to this and this to this. And, um, they let us get they let us get a little crazy. Not too crazy. We got a lot to shoot. We have a lot to shoot, to shoot in one week, but. Um, we do. We are able to have a lot of fun, and we do rehearse together before the scene starts. Um, there's uh, there's no time for um, for slack. <laughs> well, that that totally explains the body language too, because it's just so so believable. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for the entertainment on television, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it continues for a long time. Yeah, yeah, so that you can come back onto iHeartRadio with us again, Alex. Absolutely. I would love that. Excellent. I would love it. What now what is, what is your Twitter and Instagram so that people can follow you? Um, my Twitter and Instagram are both at real Alex Manessis. R E A L and then Alex Manessis is A L E X M E N E S C S. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Allie Colbert. Top Secret Video. Morning. How are you, Errol? Fantastic. Man, I got to tell you about Top Secret Videos. My God, this is so original, so funny, and such a release from the COVID nightmare. So thank you very much for doing this. I feel you. (laughs) Thank you for enjoying it. I, too, I love that it's a break from all of that that's going on. I mean crazy and it, it really it creates the most unique connection with real people because we all think we're buffoons and and you're pro- you're providing a buffoon moment for a lot of people exactly i mean what a perfect time to step away and remember that we're all idiots <laughs> what what is the process like for you to to be a part of this on true tv because being on camera is one thing but show prep is everything right um so you know there there are two parts of the show it is part clip show and part office comedy. Um, so aside from learning your lines and getting getting one of one part down pat, we watch the these videos beforehand. And Ryan Posehn and Ron Funches and myself, we write jokes for the clip. And when we then sit down and all watch them together, everyone's take um, falls on fresh ears. And we get to have, you know, organic reactions to, to the jokes that we're, we're hearing for the first time, which is what kind of creates that, ma- that magical moment of, oh, this feels so um, off the cuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we've, when it comes to comedy, we know a well-crafted joke. But, man, when you guys release something on this, it's like you've invited us to sit in the living room with you. Yeah, yeah. It's a really fun feel. Um, that we're all friends and we're hanging out and it does feel like to me when YouTube was having, you know, a heyday and we would watch those viral videos that would go around and you would just have like one video that you guys would like, you know, everyone would send to each other for weeks. So it kind of brings back that 
energy of like those funny videos and having those moments with friends and family. So have have viewers written to you guys saying, uh, I'm looking at those cameras kind of differently nowadays because now that I know that I am being watched, I can't pick my nose. I can't trip. I can't do anything. Um, yeah, that's no, I weirdly haven't gotten that, but maybe I will now. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's funny. I can't believe I haven't gotten a a message like that. That totally makes sense to me. (laughs) Why aren't people more uh, afraid of the NSA now? When when you got into the business, you started out as a page. I talked to and I did a lecture yesterday at a, bro, a school of broadcasting, and I and I really talked a lot about you on how how you've been so dedicated, so loyal, and so giving of your art. And a show like this just opens the door for us to see see your brilliance. Wow! Thank you so much. Um, yes, I started as a page. I was an intern before I was a page, and then I came back and I performed on the Tonight Show. So I've had a bit of a uh, you know, nice little journey at 30 Rock. Um, and yeah, that, that is a really kind of like fun and feels good and rewarding to remember and look at um, my kind of story in, in on late night. The show we're talking about is Top Secret Videos on True TV. This this is a game changer in the way that everybody's going to come to this to, to this program to see themselves as well as to be aware of, oh man, I, I can be a part of this with these guys. And they're going to come up with their own jokes as well. Right, right. Yeah, it's a super fun place to just relax, forget the headlines for a second, laugh, and enjoy the comedy of Ron Funches, Brian Tosain, and myself. I would love to see what's sitting on the cutting room floor because I know that you guys say things that can't make it past the censors. What what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, there's there are definitely um, a handful of moments like those where we're like, oh, they're never going to let us put that in. Um, but it's only natural that when you're improvising and bantering with each other, that you know a lot of uh, a lot of stuff comes out some of which hits and some of which doesn't. But that's just the process, you know? Well, speaking of things coming out, I got to be honest with you, the very first episode that I watched, I mean, it, it really, I, I peed my pants because you guys make me laugh so much. I mean, I mean I'm not going to be the only one that's going to admit this. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear that. What we're trying to do is we're trying to make everyone pee their pants. <laughs> that's the goal of the show. And if you did that, then I did my job. <laughs> Sorry that you had to wash your pants. <laughs> but don't you also, in a very weird and, and very creative way, feel like that you are an expert in comedy and comedy is a medicinal and you are sharing with the world an opportunity to be healed in ways that we're not finding right now in comedy clubs? You know what, Arrow? You are right. I'm a doctor and I'm an essential worker. and People should clap for me. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I see what you're saying. And uh, comedy and laughter is much needed right now. So, uh, God, if you could find a way to make yourself laugh during this time, and I bet you it's turning on Top Secret Videos Thursday nights, it feels really good to sit back and just smile for a second and forget everything that's crazy happening outside. Now, do you, do you see comedy changing in the way? Because, I mean, that one of the things that, I mean, even if we were to open up the clubs, let's say things are clearing up, you can't come in and do COVID-19 jokes. I mean, people, and, and even I've even had comedians tell me they're out of practice because they haven't had the stage. What are you personally going through? Right. I mean, I do think that uh, comedians, when we get back in the clubs in the way that we were performing before, where we are going to be out of shape, um, not just physically, because... We haven't had that 
um, that muscle worked in a minute. So it's definitely, uh, you know, it feels like a big lack right now. Uh, I'm, I'm missing it. I'm missing having that. That is my release and my go-to. So uh, it's definitely an interesting thing. And I don't know how we're going to go back and not do pandemic and not do COVID jokes because that is the experience and comedians talk about what's going on. They address the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is uh, COVID-19. <laughs> Where did you find the confidence to be able to just whoof, let it go, let the universe move through you by way of comedy? Oh, uh, God. I practiced and... I don't know, growing up with supportive parents that encouraged it, maybe? I, uh, that's a really good question, but you, I don't know. That's, uh, that's some, like, really intense yoga uh, therapy stuff, but <laughs> that's a lifelong journey, probably, to let the universe move through you. I mean, seriously, namaste. Uh, the show we're talking about is Top Secret Videos on True TV. What are you going to do that day? When Brian or 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 Ron come up to you and say, "I, I we got a video," and and Allie, it's you, it's you. Right, 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 right. I know. We've had some moments on set where we were like, "Oh my god, I wish we were recording that because that literally could have been a part of the show." <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like at least that's some incentive. Um, be careful; you don't want to wind up on the show. That's right. <laughs> What's the best part about being on Top Secret Videos? Because I mean, you've got to be going through one heck of an experience right now. Right. I mean, it feels pretty awesome to have a show that you're able to tape during a pandemic. Because a lot of these big shows are not COVID safe. It's one of the few shows that we've been able to to film safely. Which I mean, that this has been the silver lining of my pandemic, being able to laugh with with these these guys. So I feel really blessed. Well, you're definitely a leader in laughter, and we do enjoy you on True TV's Top Secret Videos. Please come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you, Allie. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. You be brilliant, okay? Thank you. You as well. So I saw the movie last night. I tell you what, I love the little collaboration that you guys had in this. It's very funny. It's very serious. And, you know, it's one of those things that people are going to talk about. Well, I think it, people will talk about they finally get to see gray-haired actors, U.S. <laughs> actors in film and in comedies. Um, in, in Europe, in, in um, England and the Brits, they love their Judy Dench with gray hair and Helen Mirren and, and their senior actors with gray hair. Here, it's not as is accepted and so I really wanted to show my fans that I'm no longer 27 I'm 68 and we're grandma my hair is going to be gray and we're going to stand up to the bad guys and Florence and I had such great chemistry we had done a movie before uh, called Ladies of the House and it was like a master class sharing each other's accomplishments and how we balanced our personal lives and careers and to be able to work again and play off one another and ablet and improvise and work with Judge Reinhold and some of the local cast of St. Louis. It was fantastic, and he was such a generous actor. He let us really beat him up. (laughs) I wish I could have been there when they said that, well, Florence, we're going to give you a southern accent because, I mean, to hear her use that when we're so used to seeing Mom Brady, you know? Yeah, you got the Brady Mom and Foxy Brown. Come on. (laughs) We have a question from somebody here for you. Uh, good, good morning, uh, Pam Greer. My name is Lawrence. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. How are you? I'm all right. I'm doing fine. Um, it's a big honor to you know talk right. to you. I'm a real big fan and everything. I'm a student here. I'm a veteran as well, and I know that Veterans Day is coming up. So I want to say thank you to you and your family for your service and everything because I know your father was uh is was a veteran as well. Yeah, so was my granddad. He was in the Navy. He left the farm to go into the U.S. Navy as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, the, the the Veterans Day is so important because I, uh, I for the Veterans Day and for the holiday, I always ask everyone to donate uh, the, uh, they're, they're called uh, audio books. Mm-hmm. They're, they're books that are on uh, CD because the vets, many of them can't hold a book and there's no one there to read to them while they're recuperating in the hospitals. And so I ask all my fans to donate audiobooks to their local VA hospitals and do volunteer work. Okay. Well, I'm, 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 I'm sure they appreciate it. But I know your father's job was a mechanic, and I know his job was, it really took a lot of hours because I was a flyer as well. So I used to have to work with mechanics to get the airplane together to be able to go off and do the mission. But how was it growing up overseas? You mentioned England as well. So I know you grew up there when you were younger. How was it? Oh, it was wonderful. It was frightening when we first moved there because we saw London after it had been bombed. And so they were rebuilding to, to see the rubble and the crater and to see people come together and rebuild. It was a great message for me as a child. But my dad was, we were welcome there. They loved music and Fats Domino and Nat King Cole and they dancing. We shared recipes. We shared our cultures. It was a great, great experience. And then we would come back to the States and my dad worked on the B-52 bombers, mm-hmm. long-range bombers and right. some of the bombers, that, that, that size plane that refueled, yeah. you know, the jet fighters. So he had a great experience and I loved aeronautics and I loved aerodynamics and aviation and I still do I'm trying to get my uh, get the time to continue uh, my uh, flight lessons to become a pilot nice. your your journey over there overseas and stuff is that the reason why you the, the characters that you've played in TVs uh, TV shows and movies they've always been so community driven they've always been about real life well, I live in real life. I live in Colorado, and I, I'm around rednecks, rattlesnakes, and, <laughs> and uh, rebel flags, and it, I, I see the people. I hear the people. I know what is, is, is hurting them. I know that big farming has really obliterated the farming industry. I hear the people. I, to be a good actor, you really, you know, there's a whole world outside of New York and Los Angeles. There's no gates, there's no shiny cars, there's real people pick up trucks, real people with real problems. And I always want to be a voice, you know, to, to let people know that people really are, you know, without the farmers, there's no food. Farmers should not have to shut down after the first freeze. They should have greenhouses and co-ops with with the farming subsidies that are available, and everyone should have organic food. No toxic food at all. Everyone should have clean food that comes in from 30 miles every morning, a farmer's market of fresh you know, picked produce that goes to the city every day for homes and restaurants and businesses. What's the problem? 
See, that, that sounds like what I went through, because I grew up in the state of Montana, and when irrigation came in, when they started bringing in the big irrigating pipes and all that kind of stuff, there was such a push to get it out of those creeks and, and get those pipes up there so that we could get more food for people. Except up in Montana, they wanted the corn and they wanted the wheat so they could ship it off to Russia. And that's exactly what they did. And, and by the way, uh, that has since not been the case because they're claiming they're getting cheaper corn and cheaper wheat from other countries. Right. And it left our farmers, it, it basically with barren right now, you could fly over the farms and see nothing but dirt. And, and it's a shame because they should have had not just a second or third cutting of, of wheat or there's only one cutting of corn, but hey, but it's, it's just not being productive. Farmers want to do what they do best, and that's farm. And I talk to them. I see them every day. And it's, right. it's, they're just wasting away, and it's sad because I don't like what the politicians, they kind of, it's like redheaded stepchildren. They kind of ignore them. They're like an afterthought. And I said, excuse me, we're taxing the water. Our, our lakes are getting dry. You fly over and you can see that a lot of water is drying up too quickly. All right. Hey, Ms. Greer, this is Lawrence again. I've always, growing up watching your movies and things like that, I've always recognized that type of independence for you. So to me, you were like the beginning of black girl magic, honestly. But um, today, do you go around and speak to any schools or do anything to help out like young women around today with all of your experience on being around the world and in the industry so long and doing so many positive things? All the time. I am on the road, not only when I am opening a film, but I'm invited, I was invited to Harvard, and I received the Du Bois Award for my charity and my contribution to the communities. I reach out, but I also learn from reading. And you try to give the girls of all ages, of all races, and all religions, the confidence to say, you have a choice. I know they call it feminism, but that's what it means, choices. You have choices to try to get an education, be independent, and keep your family, uh, who may not want you to be as educated, who may not want you to be as liberated. So how do you manage that? How do you say, okay, for example, I was speaking in Australia a couple of months ago, and I mentioned to the audience, okay, if the population uh, of, of, of uh, inequality in pay is only 78% to the dollar, men make more than you, then maybe you should only take care of your father and your brother 78% because they wouldn't support you. Good and applaud it. Good morning, Miss Greer. This is Terry Avery. Good morning. You know, you've got to do that. So you've got to be clear. You've got to, to mirror communities and, and be so literal that they get it. Yeah, good morning. This is Terry Avery, and you did come to speak at a For Sisters Only event uh, several years ago in Charlotte, North Carolina. You were our keynote speaker at a radio station I was working at at the time, and you delivered such a powerful message to the women there. And I tell you, to this day, people will talk about what you talked about during that time, and we really appreciate it. So I understand that you do do a lot of speaking around the world and do you get the reception from women at looking up to you as a role model I do 
And I ask them questions. I engage where are they today in their community, a vast community. No one's, no one's, it's not, we're not a monolithic society. We're liberal women. We're moderate women. We're conservative. We're fundamental. And how do we share and, and how do we st- step over each other's boundaries? And how do we uplift? And main thing is economics and education for our children. You, you, you have to educate your children. You have to be educated so you can take care of your children. And if you don't have that balance in the family, then how do you do that? What is the struggle? And how do you, will your children suffer? And you will have children. And you will have a future. Tomorrow will come. And if you don't, you have to have someone. There's always someone. It may not be in your family who gives you that one seed, that one light, flicker of light that says you can, you can be. And if I am that, and I said, and many of you can do that, there's so many young women in your community. Uh, There's so many women, whether it's your church or your school or a Girl Scout group. There's always a mentor. Be a mentor. Share what you've learned, you struggled to learn. And, and it seems like the reception is just, I, I wish I had more days, more hours in the day and more days in the year to, to go out and speak. And, and it has to be a mantra. It can't be just once a year, every con- convention. It has to be weekly, once a week. People meet and go over, what have we done? What do we want to do? Where are we lacking? How do we move ahead? And that has to be, you know, daily, if not weekly, once a year. You, you speak with such an open heart in the way that you are you are giving as well as as teaching. The you when you brought up the thing about about choices so many people do shut themselves down because people around them don't give them the opportunity to to make that choice how were you able to grow outside of your seed and become the fruit that you are well my my grandfather was the first feminist um in my life and he was from a ranch in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and my great-grandmother, his mom, she owned a sugar beet farm in (laughs) early 1900s and a hotel for the African-Americans and Asians that worked on the railroads. She didn't have the obstacles. She just said, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it, and she did it and taught my grandfather a imagery of an independent woman. She would be considered um, a liberal and a moderate, and in some instances, conservative, because she would whip your butt. <laughs> you got out of line, she going to get the petri pe- switch and whack you. So that's the conservativeness of her. And he taught all of his girls to hunt, fish, and shoot, bring the boat in, change tires. There was nothing a woman could not do. And he said, if a woman can do something, this is from a very rustic you know, black man from the Black West, all of them under, underground railroad. He said, "If a woman can do some, a man will respect you." Right. And that's what my motto and mantra was: how to do something and be something. And if he is insecure about you being the family and doing things, mm-hmm. uh, maybe better than he does. He's insecure. Then he's toxic. Then there's how do you uplift him? Where well, he was told that a woman shouldn't do those things, right. and he's not going to allow a, a, a woman to be a classical pianist because she'll make more money. Right. You know, so you just have to do it. Say, well, honey, here's that. Here's five thousand dollars I made from the show. So let's go put a new roof on it. Let's go do this. So sometimes it's a show me. Uh huh. 
like how to do and show and show and tell. So you have to find that avenue, water seeks its own level, that says, I can do this. And you have to show them. You have to have the experience to go out, night school, people studying, uh, wherever they can to learn and bring something, bring their yes, words forth. Say, I can do it, and you haven't done it. There's, it's empty. So the more you walk in with the confidence and knowledge of knowing how to do or be or you want to or you can achieve, you have discipline, you study. You know, I, I used to, I went to a group of, of, of churches, oh. and, and all the pastors were male. And I said, okay, um, here's what I want to do. I want to just go to homes and see what is at the home for the children, what environment allows them to study. You can go after school and the parents aren't home, music is on, TV is on. That's not a study environment. I said, there's more churches than schools. How come we cannot turn some of these churches into after school study programs to help our community? Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) That is so true. I I could talk to you forever. That is being done. There are more churches and schools, and they're empty. So you can bring in seniors and people who are retired to monitor, to help the kids study. College students can come in and tutor and help the kids study. How do we do that? How do we see the greatness in us? Because we tell each other we are great every day. Yes, ma'am. Your leadership is phenomenal. you got to come back on this show sometime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you, Pam. I will come back, and I will bring back even more messages of people who are saying they did those things. They found the greatness in them. You have to tell your children. They may have done nothing, but the fact that they're trying to make their bed or get dressed, you let them know they are great. Supply them with books. Find books. Subaru, one of my corporate sponsors, makes sure that schools and organizations get tons of books for children um, that they and they as soon as they read it they don't have to pay for it pass it down to other people other kids it's amazing it's doable it can be done and i can't wait to share with you when next year when i uh, promote a movie i did with sybil shepherd and james brolin i'm sure i'll be back in your your studio again and we'll talk about where we've been